Good morning, everybody. Oh, a little bit loud there. Thank you for making the effort to join us this morning. We are a, a smaller number this morning because obviously many people have gone down to join the memorial at the Cairn. Um, but we always want to make sure that everybody can feel included. So thank you for coming along this morning. You're very welcome. And we pray that just we will just know God's presence this morning together. So obviously we're here today, particularly in remembrance of those who have served and have given their lives to defend our democratic freedoms and defend our way of life. And we stand together with all cultures and backgrounds to remember the service and sacrifice of the armed forces community from the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. We will remember them. We pay tribute to the special contribution made by emergency services and their families as they worked tirelessly to save lives and offer hope in times of war. We will remember them. We recognise those who worked in hospitals and medical centres to look after the wounded and those traumatised by war. We will remember them. We acknowledge too innocent civilians who have lost their lives in wars, in conflict, even through acts of terrorism. We will remember them. And we know, don't we, that remembrance does not glorify war, but we wear the red poppy as a sign both of remembrance and also a hope for a peaceful future. And it's interesting that remembrance unites people of all cultures, all backgrounds, but at the same time it's deeply personal. And we are all free to remember those who have served and paid the ultimate price in our own way as well as as a group. Stephen Cottrell, the Archbishop of York, said, letting our communion with God inspire and equip us is the best way of honouring those who died to secure our peace and whose sacrifice we remember today. And it is the best way of building a different sort of world. Father, we just ask you this morning, Lord, just to guide us and help us to be with us, that we would know your presence. As we consider all these serious matters, Lord, all these things which we cannot just push to one side, Lord. We need to acknowledge them. We acknowledge all these difficulties in terms of war and pain and suffering. But we know that your love is always there for us. And we thank you for your love through every situation that we can know your love, your support, your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's focus on the Lord this morning as Katie and Peter lead us in worship of God, our Father, Son and Holy Spirit.
Thank you, Rob. Good morning, everybody. If you're able and willing, can I invite you to stand and join with us? As we come to 
remember and commemorate those who sacrificed their lives for our freedom and our country. Help us to remember the one who made the greatest sacrifice, Jesus, our Savior, who died on the cross for us. Because you love us so much, you sent your only son to sacrifice himself for us. Help us, Lord, as we remember those who have fallen, to keep looking to you, to remember that you are the one who defeated darkness. You're the one who set us free. Death is beaten because of you, Lord. We praise you for that. We thank you for that. Amen.
The work is finished. 
switched off there. Thank you Katie and Peter. The, um, we wanted just to share two poems this morning. Um, poems that you may well have actually even studied at school. And I know that in many schools they are still studied because they say something very poignantly, poignantly about the First World War. So Clem is going to read our first poem, which is In Flanders Fields. In Flanders Fields by John McRae. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow. Between the crosses, row on row. That mark our place, and in the sky, the larks, still bravely singing, fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders fields. Take up your quarrels with the foe. Do you from failing hands withdraw? The torch 
be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders fields. Thank you, Clem. In a moment, we're going to see a short video which includes the two minutes of silence uh, and also the last post, because we wanted just to try and fit that in about 11 o'clock, so we should be able to do that, I'm sure. It's interesting when um, students today in schools actually look at war poetry and look at the First and Second World War in particular, and very often schools actually look not just at what it meant to people in Britain, but also in other countries as well, including those that um, were at war with us. And it's important that we recognise that there was huge loss, not just for people in Britain, but obviously for all the other countries involved. And I was really surprised to see recently that over 30 countries at this time have some kind of war, whether it be civil war or whether it be wars between two countries or nations. So unfortunately, war still carries on. Of course, we know completely about all the news we've seen in Israel, the Gaza Strip, etc. So it's important also, isn't it, to actually just reflect on what is happening across the world and what is happening that we see on the news, but also those wars which we hardly ever hear about. And interestingly, even Ukraine now seems to have slipped down the order of news and much quieter about Ukraine. Ukraine is still obviously struggling with that huge war with Russia. So while we just move to this video and just think about what it means to us as a country, as a nation, but also to think in terms of all those other countries that suffer war at this time, but also those countries we were at war with, that we have now got good relations with and friendship with, and restored those friendships, which is so important, isn't it, for life, particularly as Christians, to try and find a way through to actually build relationships again and be friendly, not just in terms of just words, but actually working so well together uh, with countries that we were, have been at war with. So we'll see that video now. We'll just put that video on if we can, please. Thank you.
Okay. When you consider um, wars and situations where there is violence and enmity, it's interesting how memorials are made, how memorials go up. And I visited the Somme uh, a few years ago now and was able to visit several of the memorials in France and also the beaches in Normandy. And we took several groups of students over there. And seeing the places where soldiers of both sides had given their lives gave those students a fresh understanding of war, but also of sacrificial giving. Many of them were taken in as they began to recognize the incredible sacrifice made by soldiers of both sides and the awful conditions they had to live in. And we took the students to the Menin Gate in the evening in the cold to watch today's soldiers marching in honor of those who gave their lives. And it's interesting, if we can have the PowerPoint back on now, please. It's interesting, in World War I, every British serviceman was issued with his uniform, with his helmet, with his boots, and with a Bible. And George Vinal was one of those who was affected by a brush with death. He came under enemy fire when he was in the trenches on the Western Front. And he had gone into his billet and aviary to rest when he saw a friend approaching. And so he went out to the door to speak to him. And shells started falling and they ran for a trench. When he returned and went inside, he found a dozen men had been wounded, two of whom had later unfortunately died. He sent his family his pocket Bible, which had been in the tunic he left behind, and three bullets. He said, as far as we could trace, this is what he wrote, as far as we could trace, four bullets came in, one being embedded in my kit, where my head would have been, but for the arrival of my friend, who took me outside. Another was on the floor, where I would have been lying. The third was in the pocket of my tunic. You see the picture there, of the bullet, that was stopped by his Bible. And the fourth went through his friend's Macintosh, which was hung up in the compartment next to his where he would have been had he not started off a few seconds before for the horse lines. And he said, so you see, our escape was only a matter of seconds. How quickly I've had to prove the truth of what I said in my last letter, safe in the hands. And yet such is the case that I'm here without a scratch, safe and well. And he noticed that the bullet that went through his tunic into the Bible had stopped at Isaiah 49, 
Verse 8. That verse says, I will preserve thee. And he wrote to his family, said, may this be true of future days until I see you all again. That is my heartfelt prayer. Interestingly, George survived the war and actually became a missionary. So between 1914 and 1918, the Bible Society distributed more than 9 million copies of scripture in over 80 languages to members of the British Armed Forces, but also to prisoners of war on all sides. So this is a phenomenon that was recorded when soldiers who were killed on the 1st of July 1916, first day of the Battle of the Somme, were recovered and buried. Many of them were found dead with the Bible or the New Testament in their hands. They clung to the only thing that would offer them comfort and strength, the Word of God. I'm sure too that George Vinal also remembered Hebrews 4 verse 12. And that says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We're going to look at the second row of poems today and Sandy is going to come and read that for us. Thank you, Sandy. For the Fallen by Robert Lawrence Binion. With proud thanksgiving, a mother for her children, England mourns for her dead across the sea. Flesh of her flesh they were, spirit of her spirit, fallen in the cause of the free. Solemn the drums thrill, death august and royal, Sing sorrow up into immortal spheres. There is music in the midst of desolation and a glory that shines upon our tears. They went with songs to the battle. They were young, straight of limb, true of eye, steady and aglow. They were staunch to the end against odds uncounted. They fell with their faces to the foe. They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. They mingle not with their laughing comrades again. They sit no more at familiar tables of home. They have no lot 
in our labour of the daytime. They sleep beyond England's foam. But where our desires are and our hopes profound, felt as a wellspring that is hidden from sight, to the innermost heart of their own land they are known, as the stars are known to the night. As the stars that shall be bright when we are dust, moving in marches upon the heavenly plain, as the stars that are starry in the time of our darkness, to the end, to the end, they remain. Thank you, Sandy. I think those words really strike home, don't they? But it's so easy, too, for people to think of the grief and the suffering, which is really important, but not to actually recognise God's love and God's care and God's strength in those situations. I don't know about you, but I have always struggled with war and violence. It always gave me lots of questions to consider, to think about, particularly before I was a Christian. Why does war happen? Can't it be avoided? What if it appears just, such as Ukraine defending itself? What about long-lasting wars that seem to go on and on for years and years. What about awful events such as Hiroshima? Could such a weapon ever really be justified? In fact, when I was a student, before I came to know the Lord, I would call myself a pacifist. I couldn't understand why people had to fight. And even today, when we see many wars around the world, I still struggle with the idea of countries being at war. And I know many of us, many of you together, have been affected personally by war and violence. When we belonged to a church in Hounslow many years ago in the 1980s, there was a lovely lady there called Thurza. She was always in church on Sundays and the prayer meetings, but she was always on her own. She was never with anybody. She was just sitting on her own. Or people would go up to her and talk to her, but she was on her own. And later I found out that she did have a husband who was alive, and he wasn't physically ill, but he never left the house. In fact, I don't think he ever left the kitchen except to go to bed. When I spoke to Thursday, she told me that her husband had been seriously affected 
affected during the war, Second World War, by what he had seen. As a young soldier, and when he returned from the war, he was completely different to the man who had gone. He would rarely talk. He never left the house except to get his daily newspaper. And then he would sit in his chair downstairs and read the paper. That was 40 years after the war had ended. Thursday was brilliant. She took responsibility. She looked after him. She cooked his meals, washed his clothes. She made sure he was as comfortable as possible until he eventually passed away. Amazing love. Amazing dedication. Sometimes wars occur that we don't seem to be able to prevent. Sometimes they seem inevitable. No one seems to have the means to bring about peace. And that seems to be the situation today in the, in the Middle East, doesn't it? We can't see how there can be peace. But we must never forget that God sees everything. He is always able to bring peace and comfort through his love. He never rejects us. He's always there for us through every situation we face, physically or mentally, and many of the people who are caught up in wars have that same reassurance, assurance of his love, his protection, his goodness. Just look at John chapter 15, verses 9 to 14. This is what it says. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. This is Jesus speaking. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. God's love is eternal, isn't it? God's love is never coming to an end. It goes on forever. And through Jesus we can know the love of Christ deep in our hearts. And we can always draw on that love, live in that love and share that love with others. When I think of wars and fighting, it just leads me to pray for God's love to be evident in different ways. And so often it is that God's love shines through all the grief, all the difficulty, all the pain, all the suffering. Because God's love is greater than any love. It's the greatest love that exists and it's eternal without end. I just want to read you a few words actually from Stephen Cottrell, the Archbishop of York. 
This was actually written back in 2020 during COVID. And I think a lot of people, when they were just working through COVID, felt many emotions and many difficulties in terms of who do we turn to, how do we cope with this horrible illness. And Stephen Cottrell compared it to a soldier. He said, just as a soldier fights under the banner of their regiment, whose colours march ahead and whose presence raise morale, so a Christian lives their life under the banner of Christ. What is this banner? It is the cross, the sign of peace. But not that peace which is little more than an empty truce. The guard silence after the guns have stopped firing. But true reconciliation, painfully embraced, something worth dying for. As Jesus on the cross confronts the hate, the anger, confronts the disease and divisions of the world, but he does it with love. Jesus receives the worst the world can give, and Jesus goes on loving. He lays down his life for his friends, and so he asks us to do the same. If we want to know the truest human instinct, then we must look to Christ. For Jesus shows us that it is not security, but community that brings us peace, being one in Christ. Not alienation, but forgiveness. Not conquest, but sacrifice. And he goes on, none of us wants to have to fight for these things. And war should always be a very last resort. Even politicians must learn wisdom and restraint, for it is not them who go into battle. And he says, better than anyone, if you want to know about the horrors of war, ask a soldier. Nearly every war begins with human greed and human failure. But as we have gathered today for this annual remembrance of those whose lives were lost in war, we make this remembrance by declaring our allegiance to God, the God who is revealed in Jesus Christ. It is under his banner that we march, and it is he and he alone who can secure the peace we long for. Amen. That really made me think we can do so much in God's strength. We have a responsibility to acknowledge God, to serve him, to follow him day by day. And through his strength, to do everything we can to avoid pain and suffering, to avoid actually causing pain and suffering. And we must do everything through his strength to share his love and his peace to those who meet in our lives. It's amazing, isn't it, when you think about it, with God's love, with God's strength, with God's power, 
we can be agents of change and peace. But not through our own strength, not through our own wisdom, not through our own ideas, but through the strength that God gives us through our Saviour, Jesus Christ. So we can live our lives through the peace that Jesus brings, that Jesus gives to all of us. Let's just close in prayer. Father God, we want to come before you today to bless you, to honour you, to glorify your name, to thank you for Jesus, to thank you for all that he has done. We think of his body being nailed to the cross. We think of the pain he suffered, the humiliation. We think of the way in which people treated him, even on the cross as he was dying, how he suffered, as people hurled insults at him. We thank you that he was prepared to die for us, for me, for you, for each of us. And through his death and resurrection, we can know his promise of eternal life. We thank you that we will be with him in heaven one day, but we know that he is with us today on this earth. We thank you for his presence. We thank you for his strength. And we thank you too for the Holy Spirit who guides us and leads us and walks with us day by day. Father God, help us to be more than just a friend to people, Lord, but help us to be someone who brings your love into lives around us, Lord, whether it be family, friends, or even those we work with, those we don't even know very well. Lord, may we be a, a channel for your love and peace. And Lord, may our lives be worthy of you, Lord. May we behave in a way which is worthy of you. And may we just know your peace in every area of our lives, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for coming along this morning. It's really good to have people here that we can just share together and acknowledge important days together and hear what God is saying to us. Uh, there will be teas and coffees and refreshments at the back. Uh, I'm just thinking if there's any other notices. Karen, have we got any other notices that we should be saying this morning? Encounter this evening, 7.30. So if you are around this morning, if you're around this evening, please do come on to Encounter. We'll be here and uh, we can just meet with God through each other. You may have words to share or pictures to share when you come or you may be coming just to listen, but we'd love to see you there. That would be great. Okay, thank you very much, Steve, for being here and uh, safe journey home. Thank you.